Lord, we thank you your presence is here. Lord, we thank you that you love us so much, that you left the splendor of heaven. You gave everything up for people that were hostile towards you, for people that were prepared to crucify you, for people like me. Jesus, today, thank you. And Lord, we pray, Lord, as we gather around your word, Lord, that your word would illuminate the path ahead of us. Lord, that your word would instruct us and guide us. Lord, because your word has come, you came, Lord, because you said you came to give us life and life more abundantly. Lord, you don't want us to remain where we are, but Lord, you've got a future ahead of us. And Lord, today we pray our hearts would be open and receptive to receive your word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Well, you may be seated. You know, last week I was coming down the stairs getting ready to take Summer to school and I saw a pile of mail on our hall table. Now, normally I'm one of the people that empty the mail, so I'm quite familiar what happens and I know the mail that's there. But on this particular day, as I came down, somebody had already gone and opened the mailbox and had placed the mail onto the hall table. And as I was walking down the stairs, my eyes were captured to this one envelope and it had on it 2020 vision. And I went down and I picked up the envelope and it was from Specsavers and suitably there was a £10 discount voucher for me so that I could go and take an optician's eye test. And as I looked at that envelope, it was like the Holy Spirit just began to speak and he just gently whispered and he said, Faye, how's your eyesight? How's your eyesight? I'm not talking about how's my physical eyesight. The Lord was saying to me, Faye, how's your spiritual eyesight? How are you seeing things? You know, at the outset of 2020, the beginning of a decade, you know, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to ask each one of us, how's your eyesight? You know, we're used to taking our cars for MOTs. We're used to having our boilers serviced. We're used to going to the doctors to get our blood pressure checked, our cholesterol test checked. And we're used to going to opticians, aren't we, to find out how our eyes are doing. So on the outset of 2020, perhaps this would be a good time to do a spiritual health check, to really begin to assess where we are and balance our lives according to not the person that we live with, not our mums and dads, not our husbands or wives, but to position our lives according to what the Word of God has to say about us and for us. You know, it's in at the beginning or at the end of 2019, many of you will have known because I've shared it, but you know, I struggled with my sight. I woke up on the 19th of December and I stretched ready for the day ahead and all of a sudden my world started spinning. And I'm not talking about a merry-go-round kind of spinning. I'm talking about being on the London Eye and somebody spinning 
spinning things like that or if you imagine a pinwheel when you see it spinning in um, in the wind that's what my life was doing in front of me and I saw four of everything and it was spinning 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 and I could not bring my sight back into control I grabbed hold of Dave's arm because I really didn't know what was going to happen in the moments that were to take place and I stayed in bed and I tried looking and nothing was stopping this spinning this spinning this spinning and all of a sudden the nausea started the feelings of sickness and so I managed to roll out of bed and I managed to army crawl not in a straight line because I couldn't see anything really clearly but I managed to stumble my way on my stomach to my toilet because I needed to vomit I stayed hung over my toilet for about 15 minutes and all of a sudden my sight came back to clarity and I thought oh thank you Lord this is fantastic I went down and I just lay in my bed I sat down and as I lay my head back my world started going again and I have to say it was probably one of the worst experiences of my life there was no pain attached to it. It wasn't like childbirth. It wasn't like passing a kidney stone. I've done those things. Kidney stones top childbirth, by the way. They're far worse. But... Um but it was, there was no pain attached to it, yet that feeling, that disorientation was probably one of the worst experiences of my life because I didn't know how to bring it in. I couldn't see things. And because I couldn't see things, everything within me, I was being sick, I was exhausted, and it was a really scary time for me. That period when I had vertigo lasted three weeks. The doctor came on the first day that I had it and he said, you know what, you're not going to be out of bed for the next few days. I'll give you some tablets to try and help, but you're not going to be going and doing Christmas shopping. He said, you're just going to be kind of, you know, laid up and you're, that's kind of going to be what it's like for the next few weeks and hopefully things will begin to get better. He asked me, he said, are you unwell at the moment? And I said, no. And he said, well, sometimes people, you know, vertigo can come on as a result of a virus or an illness. And I said, no, I'm feeling really great, actually. And he said, okay, well, let's give it some time and see how you get on. So three weeks went by and in that three week time I was progressing, I was getting better, however I wasn't seeing things correctly and I was exhausted by it and it was Siobhan in church, she said Faye I'm wondering whether your vertigo has anything to do with your teeth. You see at the end of October I felt like I had a swarm of bees buzzing around in my mouth and I went to the dentist and the dentist took some x-rays and for some reason existing fillings that I had in my mouth had started leaking food and other liquids underneath them so I actually had decay underneath my fillings and they said we're going to need to remove those fillings to get the work done this is why your mouth feels the way it does sadly the dentist wasn't able to book me in for any appointments until the 6th of January so I had to wait from the end of October to the 6th of January at one point at the beginning of November there was so much pain in one side of my mouth they managed to get me seen and they treated a few of my teeth on one side the other side though they weren't able to touch and I had vertigo for three weeks and when Siobhan said I wonder if it's your teeth I began thinking about things and what I realized is that I thought she really had a good point you see the night before 
the vertigo came on, my mouth started really causing me a lot of pain. Again, that swarm of bees had managed to get back inside of my mouth. And I was on painkillers. And you, I don't know whether you've ever had toothache or tooth pain before, but it's really, really horrible. And for me, the pain was so bad and it was actually affecting my ear as well. It was like everything was attached and my ear was really hurting. So when she said that, I rang the dentist, of course, it's over the Christmas period. And I said, do you know what? I've got vertigo and I'm just wondering if there's some kind of link between my teeth and the vertigo. And they went and asked a number of dentists within the dental practice. And the, the comments came back and said, no, your teeth will not be affecting you at all. The vertigo has got nothing to do with your teeth. And I said, well, is there any way you could get me in on an emergency appointment? And they said, we're really sorry, but we haven't got any appointments for you to be seen. You're going to have to wait until the 6th of January. So I did. I, I was on painkillers. I was dizzy. I felt like I was on a ship that was sinking. For those of you who saw me in church, I'd be holding onto chairs as we were chatting. Um, so I waited until the 6th of January and I went to see my dentist and I said to my dentist, you know, I, I can't wait to have this work done because my vertigo actually came on like the day after my teeth got really bad and she said Faye it will be nothing to do with your teeth I said oh that's okay I'm just so glad that I'm getting my teeth looked at now and so it took probably about 10 minutes for me to actually be able to get into the dental seat because every time I lay back for her to do the work my world started spinning so she positioned things in certain ways so that we could try and get me to be able to go through the course of treatment without being sick and all of that. Anyway, she managed to do that. And the next morning, I woke up and my vertigo had gone. I never would have thought that something going on inside of my body, for me, it was toothache. I never would have thought it could have affected my sight in the way in which it did. You know, if you go to an optician's, an optician will have a look at your sight to see how clearly and sharply you can see things. But do you know an optician can do more than just assess what your sight is like? Your eyes can tell them more about you than what you know. Did you know that a doc, a, an, an optician can actually see whether you have diabetes? And they can actually see whether you have high blood pressure before perhaps you are even aware in your own body of the symptoms, before you maybe have even gone to the doctors because you're feeling symptoms, your eyes through your opticians are able to diagnose an ailment before things begin to manifest to the point that you think, I need to do something. And what I'm really aware of, and I'm sure we're all really aware of here today, is that, you know, God places things and he does things in the physical or the natural and it's mirrored in the spiritual. And I really believe that, you know, just like sight can be impacted by so many different things. For me, my world span because of my teeth. I really believe that if there were underlying issues in my body that were causing me not to see right, then perhaps we could say that about our spiritual lives.
Perhaps there are things underlying in our lives, some other things that are going in, on inside of us that are causing us to not see things the way that we should be. You know, one of the symptoms or a number of the symptoms that I had as a result of having vertigo is that I was stumbling. I stumbled quite often and I had to grab things. Some of the other symptoms that I had was that um, I thought I was seeing, seeing clear. And when I um, went to put a, um, a baking, well, my roast dinner <laughs> into the oven, I thought I was placing my um, beef into the center of the oven. And I wasn't. I skidded my hand right down the side of a burning hot oven and I've got a lovely scar to show that now. I thought that I was seeing clearly because I could kind of, but actually I wasn't. At another point, someone said to me, Mum, can you put some butter in the saucepan, please? Because I'm making pasta. Now my saucepans are big and I've got a pretty good track record of being able to put butter in a saucepan, it's fair to say. Plenty of practice over the years. So I got my butter for here and I popped it in what I thought was the saucepan, only to watch it melt all over my hob. I missed the saucepan completely. Not because I thought I missed the saucepan, I thought I was putting it in, but my eyes weren't seeing things quite the way that they were. And as a result, I got into a whole lot of trouble. I burnt my hand, I had to clear up. We had guests over at Christmas time for a few hours and there was this um, guest and he was wearing a t-shirt. And for ages I'm looking at this t-shirt and I'm thinking, I, I can't work out why he's wearing that. Because on this t-shirt, it said fatty. And I was like, I was there for maybe about one or two minutes. And I'm just like, I can't work that out. Either he's got cruel children that would do that to him. Or like, he's kind of like, why would you buy a t-shirt that said fatty? So I, I said to him, I said, can I ask, what does your t-shirt say? He says, it says, Faith Faye. <laughs> oh, right, I said. <laughs> Good job, I checked. Otherwise, I would have thought he was going around with the word fatty all over him. But I'm sat there and I'm seeing fatty. It didn't say fatty, it said faith. That was the impact that my sight had on me. But if you would have asked me, I thought I was seeing, yes, I was feeling woozy, yes, but I actually thought I was seeing clearly. I really did. What I didn't realize is there was something going on internally that was affecting my perspective. And I really wasn't aware of it until I had to burn my hand, until I had to say, why are you wearing that t-shirt? Until I had to maybe make myself a bit, you know, embarrass myself. I didn't realize that my perspective was completely wrong. And, you know, I really believe that as God's children, we really want to, at the outset of 2020, take a spiritual health check. And I'm just going to spend today and maybe next week looking at this area called sight.
Do you know our sight probably is the, one of the most used senses that we have? Other than when I smell food and my sense of smell will lead me in a direction, typically it will be what I see that will determine what way I move. So when I am driving, I am looking all around me to see is there a car behind me, a car to the side of me, can I overtake, do I need to stop? It is my sense of sight that is telling me in what direction that I need to move. So I rely, and on the whole, I would say a lot of us rely on sight probably more than any other sense in terms of deciding what direction our life is going to go in, deciding where we're going to go. Do I turn? If I don't turn, I'm going to bump into something. Our sight is so important. So let's begin to think. If our sight is used so much every day, I believe our sense, our spiritual sight is also key to the direction and the flow of our lives. And we need to assess what we're seeing to make sure that we're going in the right direction. So over the course of today, I just want us to focus really simply on some things that potentially will have a knock-on to our sight. And we're going to look specifically in two key areas. We're going to look internally. Like I said, opticians can diagnose what's going on in your body before you perhaps even can see the outworkings of that ailment in your life. So we're going to look internally and also, if time permits, we will look at some of the external factors, some of the things that we may be facing, some of the things, the obstructions, the obstacles, the darkness, the fog, the mist that may be causing us to not see as clearly as we would like to see. So we're going to focus on those two areas today and I want to begin by looking at our thoughts. I want us to begin to think around the things that go on internally that can affect our sight and we're going to begin at looking with our thoughts. What are we feeding our thoughts and minds? What are we feeding our thoughts and minds? You know, sometimes we can think, oh, it don't matter. My thoughts and minds are only affecting my thought and mind. No. What you're feeding your mind and your thoughts are, are not just affecting your mind. It's affecting the way in which you live. Philippians 4 verse 8 from the New Living Translation says this. You'll be familiar with it. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Why would that be in the Bible? Why is that in the Bible? 2 Timothy, I've got to, I'm going to take a little second now because I put a password on my phone and I've got to undo my phone. So now I've got to type under pressure. It's only four letters, but you know what it's like under pressure. Okay, 2 Timothy says this. 
All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong with our lives, to correct us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work, 2 Timothy 3. So when I'm reading this scripture, why am I reading it? Well, I'm reading it because every scripture is God-breathed and there to instruct us and there to guide us because the reality is we're sheep and we need a shepherd. You know, sheep are wanderers. We graze on things that we shouldn't graze on. We go through hedges. If you watch sheep in a field, you know, they only have to find one tiny little hole in, in a huge field and off they pop, have a little explore. And the thing with sheep is, it's not just the one that goes off exploring. Sheep love to follow sheep. So you see them all banding through this little hole in the bush and they end up getting stranded and they end up getting hurt and they're barring because they need the shepherd to come and help. So I say this because God knows that we need help. He knows that we need direction. And he's like, hey, I'm going to send my word to give you clear direction to help you. So when the Bible says one final thing, as in, please remember this, this is something that you're going to need help with. And he begins to explain that we've got to fix our eyes and our thoughts on things that are good, things that are true, things that are noble, things that are worthy of praise. That's because if we don't, it has the potential to knock us off course what are the things that you're meditating on is it the lies that have been spoken about you by somebody else is it the criticism the critical remark that you're no good you're not as good as her is it that that you're meditating on are you actually rehearsing and going back over the things you've done wrong in the past and you're beating yourself up. You're beating yourself up because you haven't been perfect. Well, guess what? God came because we weren't perfect. Jesus came because he knew we were sinners that needed a savior. But are you there rehearsing, rehearsing the mess ups, the shame of things? Are you there thinking about those kind of things? You see, when we're thinking about those things, it's not just thinking. You're paving the direction for your life on the thoughts that you're speaking, the thoughts that you're rehearsing in your mind. And guess what? We probably do the most talking to ourselves than anybody else. I know women can talk a lot of words, but do you know what? In your quiet time, you can do a lot of talking to yourself. And we have a lot of time with ourselves that sometimes we don't realize. And so we just need to consider about our thoughts because we, God wants us to walk down the right path and see things through his perspective. So to do that, we've got to focus on those things in Philippians 4 verse 8. You know, another aspect internally that could be going on that can be affecting our sight is our attitude. Our attitudes play a part in our spiritual journey, whether we like it or not. 
in 2 Philippians, or Philippians 2, should I say, say, it says, do all things without grumbling or complaining. It doesn't say, do all things without grumbling or complaining when you're justified to do it without grumbling or complaining. No, the Bible just says, do all things without grumbling or complaining. Grumbling and complaining and murmuring comes from a bad attitude. And it really can take you on a course that is not the best for our lives. It's not, oh, well, I'll have a good attitude if I like doing the thing that I've been asked to do. Well, what about having a great attitude when the thing that you're asked to do isn't going to bear any significant difference in your life, but it's there to serve someone else? Are you still going to have a great attitude and say, do you know what? I'm not going to grumble or complain. You know, in your workplace, when your manager asks you to do something, do they go out of the office and then you go, (laughs) or you roll your eyes in front of your colleagues? Do you think that's God's best? Do you think that when we do these things that actually it's helping us lead us on the path that Jesus has laid before us? No, our attitude can impact our spiritual journey. And it's a really simple thing, but we just got to rein it in. We got to rein it in and just say, I am not going to grumble or complain. Even if I'm justified to grumble or complain, just don't do it. Only speak words of life out of your mouth. The Bible says, and we know this because we know the word of God, that it says the power of life and death is in the tongue. Well, don't grumble or complain. The fact that it says that complaining and grumbling means something's fallen out of our mouths. It's tumbled out. Let's not begin to build our world based on the complaints and the murmurings of our heart. Let's think, no, do you know what? God wants me to have a good attitude. I was speaking with Hilary Marshall recently about the lovely Barbara Green. Barbara Green turned 90 in December, which is incredible. I want to look like Barbara when I'm 90, just to let you know. And Barbara, who is 90, is just starting an extra, another sewing course in the church where people can come. How awesome is that? At the age of 90, she is still sewing her life and investing her life into others. But one thing got me that um, Hilary Marshall said, she said, Faye, I have never heard Barbara complain or grumble once. I've never heard it. I've never heard it. I think if Barbara can do it, we can do it. Barbara is 90 and living a good life. And perhaps that's because she's paved the way for her future through the words of her mouth and has chosen to be really careful and put a guard on her mouth when she wants to say something, but she reins it back in and says, no, 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 that's not for the child of God. I'm not going to speak those words that belong in the pigsty. I'm a child of the king. I'll keep that gone and I'll only use my words to speak life. So our attitude can impact our spiritual journey. What's our heart like? Is it critical and judgmental? You know a critical and judgmental heart will skew our spiritual sight. In Matthew 7 verse 3 it says this, 
And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite! First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. The word of God says it all there, doesn't it? I don't need to expand on anything than that, other than to say criticalness and judgment is going to impact our spiritual sight. You know, in the verses preceding that scripture, it actually talks about judgment and says, with the measure that you measure judgment to others, you can expect that back on your plate too. So if you and I want to judge other people, it's going to come full circle and that judgment's going to rest on our plate. And that's not good. That's not good. That's not the life that Jesus has laid up for us. That's not the abundant life that God has promised. For me, I see that kind of thing as stumbling in the dark, stumbling looking for a way. But the great thing is, is God's word's really clear. His word, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And his word says, listen, just don't do it. Don't criticize. Don't judge. Instead, go and help. Do you know what? We're all works in progress, aren't we? <laughs> we are all works in progress. And I think it's really good that we remember that. You know, some things that we may be stronger at now, we perhaps weren't that strong in before. We all have different strengths and weaknesses. And that's why Jesus talks, doesn't he? He says, they will know that you are my followers because you have love for one another. How do you have love for one another? Well, it's when the person next to you, you know, and you're just like, oh my gosh, but you think, no, love, love. God wants us to love one another, not to be critical and judgmental because it will impact us. It's not impacting that person. We're just sowing bad seed in our own field that will reap a harvest, perhaps not in a week, maybe not in a month, and perhaps not in a year. But we know that God says not to be mocked. Whatever a man sows, he shall reap. So let's not sow criticalness and judgmentalness into the soil of our lives. You know, the other thing that can impact our spiritual sight is unforgiveness, bitterness, bearing a grudge, being angry or resentful. Ephesians 4.27 says this, and do not give the devil any opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. Holding, nurturing, harboring, cultivating. Those are all terms that mean a lot of time has got an investment's gone into here. Cultivating, harboring. We've got to choose and it's not easy. But 
do you know what? We can forgive. We can choose not to get angry. We can choose not to bear a grudge. And it requires faith. We heard, didn't we, when um, Yogvan came a few weeks ago, he shared his testimony of the journey that he went through in forgiving his mother. And it is a journey, but there's freedom at the end of that journey. So I know I'm sharing this scripture, not knowing perhaps the impact that this has had in your life, but I share it as like a marker, a signpost from Jesus to say, do you know what? It doesn't have to be your portion. It's not easy to forgive. Do you know what? Sometimes we hold unforgiveness towards somebody, not because of what they've maybe even done to us, but what we've seen them do to somebody else. And inside, do you know what? Unforgiveness, bearing a grudge, being angry and resentful, it's not impacting anyone else other than tearing you apart. And God doesn't want to see us torn apart. He doesn't want us come to a standstill where we keep tripping up. And it is a journey, but it's faith in Jesus and what he's done. And if he says that we can forgive, do you know what? We can take steps to forgive. And it's a process. But when we don't, when we hold on to these things and we nurture them and we cultivate them, we're actually changing the direction of our future. It's not the future that God's laid up for us, filled with bitterness, resentment, anger. No, but that will lead us on a path that's not where God's intention for us is. The other thing that can impact us and the way in which we see is our past. Philippians 3, verse 12 and a half, says this, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus has call, is calling us. God does not want us moving on into our future looking through the lens of our past. He does not want us carrying our rubbish into our future because there is no place for it there. It's forgiven. It's sorted. It's done. And we've got to kind of draw a line in the sand and say, here's my rubbish bags. Lord, when I got saved, I handed them to you. They're over there. This is the new beginning and I am going to walk this direction. I'm not taking my rubbish because I don't need to take my rubbish. No, the Bible says that we forget the past. Why does it say that? Because we're brilliant at rehearsing the past. But no, we've got to say, no, I forget the past. Yes, there's shame. Yes, there's mistakes. Yes. But actually, when I gave my life to Jesus, he took my past and he gave me a new future. And that is the way in which we need to walk. Okay.
So don't let your past blur the future path. Because God doesn't want you to. It's not purgatory. It's not do, you, you don't have to, oh Lord, well, you know, no. No, he did it. It's forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Leave that now. Move on. Move on to the abundant life that Jesus has for you in Christ Jesus. Press on to the goal because the journey ahead is bright. The journey ahead is filled with promise and with hope. Every promise that proceeds from the mouth of God is yes and amen. That is the promise of God for us. And the final thing I want to just share this morning, and we'll pick this up next week. But another internal aspect of our lives that can be impacting our spiritual sight is fear. Fear. Fear holds us prisoner and causes us to stop wanting to go forward. Fear of not getting it quite right. Fear that somebody will let you down. Fear that you'll mess up. Fear that you're not going to be in control. Fear of trusting others. You know, fear paralyzes us. And actually cause us to take a pause in the journey. I discovered a number of years ago that I had a fear of heights. And I didn't realize until I got onto the top of Table Mountain in South Africa and froze. And I was like in the set. And it's like a massive kind of area. I was like nowhere near the ledge. The ledge was like on the other side by the Dolman Theater. But I'm in the center going, I can't move. I can't move. I was literally paralyzed by, I, I didn't read, I don't know why, I don't know what happened, I don't know, but I discovered that many years ago. And do you know what? I found that because I knew this, I would actually try to avoid situations where I had to be up high. And a few years ago, I thought, no, no, this is ridiculous. This is actually taking over my life. And I'm not allowing it to. I'm not allowing it to. I don't know why it started, but actually I'm not going to be held captive and I'm not going to be held a prisoner to this thing called fear. So a few years ago when we went um, camping with the children, we ended up in Paris on our route around France. And I was like, I'm going to the top of the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> and Dave's like, are you sure? Yeah, yeah. I said, yeah, I am. Do you know what? I've actually got sweat dripping down my back just talking about it. <laughs> but I'm like, no, I am doing this. I am doing this. I am not going to allow fear to get the hold of me. I am doing this. And if it's sweat dripping down my back, then I'm doing it. But I am not. I refuse. I refuse to do this. I thought I was James Bond when we went to Hillsong Conference. And there's like um, in the O2 Arena, there's like a cable car. And in my mind, I had this feature film going on in my head. And I thought, oh, it's going to be fantastic. Me and the kids and Dave, we can land in 
into the O2 on this cable car and it's going to be awesome and there were some others with us and and we're all there and Dave Coulter's there and Haley's there and it's fair to say none of us were that great with this moment but we all decided to do it and we wouldn't let the kids move a breath they were trying to rock the thing as we're going over the river but we just held on with sweat and dripping but do you know what I say that to say so if you are fearing you just got to get past it in your head you've got to get past it you've got to choose to make steps nothing there's no magic wand that says oh oh there we go no the bible declares and you know this the bible declares i have not given you a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind and we've got to choose to step out on that we have got to choose to take steps in our life to step out on i have not got a spirit of fear no i'm not going to be stuck held captive from my future because of fear so I say these things and they're just a few things. I say these things, I say them to me because the Lord spoke that to me. Faye, how's your eyes? How's your eyes? But I say that because I know that's been a real defining moment for me to begin to do a spiritual eye test on myself. And I wanted to share that with you today. And the words that I've spoken are simple. And you know the scriptures, no doubt, that I've shared. But what I do know is that the Holy Spirit wants the best for our lives. And my prayer today in closing would be that you would just speak to the Holy Spirit as we leave this place and say, Lord, is there anything I need to be aware of? Is there anything that's causing me? Is there anything internally that's going on that's maybe causing me to see things not quite right? The impact of vertigo and my sight not being quite right was massive. And God doesn't want that for his children. He doesn't want us to have spiritual vertigo. He doesn't want us to see anything other than his best he wants us to have spiritual 2020 vision to see clearly what he's laid up for us so lord today thank you that you are here and lord thank you that you only want the best for us lord thank you that when you took us as your own you took us we're a work in progress but Lord, you see the end from the beginning. Lord, you see the plans that you have for us, the plans to give us a future and a hope. Lord, you see that we are going from glory to glory. Lord, you see us sat in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Lord, you see us and the great works that you have prepared for us before the beginning of time. And Lord, as your kids today, you're inviting us. You're inviting us to come up another level. You're inviting us to see things and readjust our sight if we need it adjusted. You're inviting us, Lord, to come closer, to come nearer, to be more like you. So Lord, I pray for everybody here. Lord, and I thank you that our, 
Our future is bright because, Lord, you laid down your life for our future. And Lord, if there's anybody in this place today and they say, do you know what? I think I'm spiritually blind because I didn't even know that Jesus loved me and had a plan for my life. If you're in this place today and you say, I need help, I need a savior, then it would be my privilege to pray with you in this moment, to ask Jesus into your life. And when you pray this prayer, the Bible actually says in that moment, your life is transformed and you go from, from darkness into light. So if you're here today and you say, I'm spiritually dead and I want to be alive, I want to be awoken, then Jesus is the one to do that in your life. So pray this simple prayer after me. Just say, Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross for me. Thank you, you accepted me as I was, filled my life filled with sin and you've forgiven me. Lord, I ask you to come and live in my life and change me from the inside out. You know, if you prayed that prayer today, at the back, at the end, we have got people that will be standing with a Bible that we would love to give to you as a gift. And also we've got a magazine that shares the stories of people just like you who have found Jesus and how he's changed and transformed their life.